So what's the email address? Podcast at baseballprospectus.com. Good morning and Good morning. welcome to episode 177 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I am Ben Lindberg. You are Sam Miller. Hello. Hi. 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 How are you? Okay. Good. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> you have a topic. We, we I both do. kind of have topics, I guess. Uh, but... Surprise topics. This is our first, I would say this is our first show of the year where we did it the way we're supposed to do it. Yeah, and didn't discuss it beforehand, which we used to do all the time when we started. It was a really, it was a pure process where we would surprise each other and Gradually, we, I guess, came to realize that we needed some extra help. I don't know that we do. I just think that it, we might be working our way back into it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's a leap of faith every day, and we haven't, I guess we haven't felt the pressure to do it because it's uh, the start of the season. But, I mean, it took us three and a half months before we even started this podcast after we made plans to do it. And so we moved slow. <laughs> right. We, we, we get there eventually, and maybe today we're there. So uh, my topic is declining fastball velocity okay what's your topic ben <laughs> oh right <laughs> uh i kind of wanted to talk about the astros strikeout rate uh and kind of wanted to talk about the pitch that ended the rangers raise game but i'm still in the process of gathering information about it so we'll see so you start um okay so i just wanted to um i just wanted to kind of We've talked at, I hope I can say this, uh, we've talked at BP about ways to make uh, Pocota even better and what sorts of data might be useful information and sort of thrown things up against the wall. And one of the things that I remember you mentioning at some point is fastball velocity. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't really know how to do that, I guess, right now. And there are reasons not to do it, etc. Um, and yet... I get the sense that, um, well, this has kind of been the, the, the week of fastball velocity. It seems like this has been kind of the, um, the most I can remember a lot of pitchers showing velocity drops at one time, like really high-profile pitchers and concurrently struggling or in some cases not struggling. And so I just wanted to get uh, to, to sort of throw out a scenario to you and see how much you think kind of would factor it in if you had to predict not not Pakoda because Pakoda has to be responsible uh, about things mm -hmm. but but if you were the prediction system if you were the if you were the computer and you made each of these predictions uh, on your own based on what you felt what you would do so I just wanted to sort of hypothetically say let's say there's a pitcher with a uh, ERA of three over the past three years and and let's say a FIP of three as well, so there's no distortion there. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one with an ERA of 3.75 over the last three years, and they each throw 91 miles an hour on average. And all I tell you that I know the future, and the future is that the better pitcher loses a mile and a half of fastball velocity this year. Mm -hmm. So you've got ERA of three, but just lost a mile and a half of, of fastball velocity. Or ERA of 3.75, but is healthy. Who you, who you got? Who you take? Uh, and we're talking about long-term, and they're the same age? We're talking about for the next year. And next year. Yeah, they're, they're the same age. Uh, next year. I think, I think I would probably take... I think I'd probably still take the, the more successful pitcher for one year. Um, but I would probably be worried that 
that it would continue or accelerate uh, or maybe he wouldn't age as well. And so over time, I would prefer the guy who started out less successful. So what if I cut the difference in half and now it's th- an ERA of 3 and an ERA of 3.37? Still still take the better guy? Uh, no. Now I, now I take the guy who still throws harder. So basically, you're, you're willing to adjust a half a run, roughly. Yeah, for, I think so. For a mile, for a mile, for a mile and a half? half. Uh, I think so. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling as we speak because there has actually been some research about this. Um, and if I were trying to project, I would want to look at that research first. But yeah, I guess that is my, my gut feeling that it could be worth that, all else being equal. And is there a number that the guy would start at velocity-wise that you think would be the most damaging to lose a mile and a half off of that? And the reason I ask is because I was on uh, the radio with, uh, with our boss, Joe Hamrahi, yesterday, and uh, I was asked about Jared Weaver and his velocity loss. And Weaver has had velocity losses in the past and he's also kind of proven me wrong in the past and so i said you know it's troubling but i'm not willing to to say anything definitive about him um and i kind of dodged the question but i was sort of trying to figure out whether the fact that weaver was only throwing 88 to begin with or or 89 Mm -hmm. means that it's less of a big deal or or more of a big deal yeah so at what point what kind of pitcher do you least want to see the velocity loss uh i guess the the more often he throws his fastball maybe i would be more concerned about the mm-hmm. fastball losing velocity if it's someone like say felix hernandez who throws a ton of pitches uh and all of those pitches are still very effective and he still seems to be able to vary speeds and maybe throw those pitches a little more slowly if, if his fastball is slower uh, I would be a little less worried about that than I would be, say, if someone like, I don't know, Justin Verlander or someone who just has a really, really good fastball and is not, I mean, he's not an, an all-fastball pitcher, but but someone who has a lot of other things to compensate with, I would probably be less worried about. I wonder... Uh, I wonder if it's if it's linear, if, if the decline in performance... Uh, declines if if that decline is kind of linear linear along with the decline in in velocity. I mean, is there a point at which it becomes sort of an exponential thing, like when you drop below a certain certain speed, right. uh, mm-hmm. everyone can catch up with your mistakes and punish your mistakes. Whereas if you're if you're going from ninety five to ninety four, then maybe you still have the speed to to beat most hitters. Um, but if you're going from 90 to 89, then it's more yeah. problematic. Right. It's tricky because you would think that going from 90 to 89 would be more damaging for the fastball than going from 95 to 94. But the flip side is that the harder you throw to begin with, the more likely you were to rely on your fastball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I mean, you know, like you can always come up with exceptions for the most part. There's there is not an ace going who throws as soft as Jared Weaver, and so that seems like like this current velocity drop should be a big deal. But you could have said the same thing about him, his velocity last year, and you could also maybe point to Sean Markham a couple years ago who was throwing in the mid 80s at the most and was also getting one of the best strikeout rates in the National League at the time. And so 
there's no real rule where you go, okay, can't work anymore uh, from this point on. Um, but yeah, I would, I, I would think I would agree with you that um, the more you use your fastball, probably the more troubling it would be. Yeah. One more question along these lines mm-hmm. is that if you if you lose a mile and a half off your fastball, you're probably losing roughly that much off your changeup and roughly that much off your slider. Do you know whether a slider that loses a mile and a half is less effective? I mean, you could you could certainly understand that the whole package would be less effective mm-hmm. uh, as a package, but the slider itself is the slider itself less effective when it's slow, or is the is a would, uh, you know is a splitter less effective? I don't know. Is, you know, I would guess that everything is. If, if the movement is the same and the separation from the other pitches is the same, I would guess the slower it is, the worse it is, but I don't know. I'm I'm looking at uh, Mike Fast's article called Lose a Tick, Gain a Tick. It's from April 5th, 2010, so almost exactly three years ago. And he sort of, he looked at guys who gained velocity from year to year and lost velocity from year to year and, and how it affected them. So his conclusion, I think, if I'm if I'm skimming this while talking correctly, uh, is that for each one mile per hour increase in fastball speed, a starting pitcher, uh, his his RA, his his runs allowed average, goes down 0.28, uh, and for a reliever, his goes down 0.45 for every one mile per hour increase, which. Makes sense because relievers throw more fastballs than starters, and they also typically have uh, fewer off-speed pitches or less effective off-speed pitches. So I guess that kind of supports what we were just saying. Um, so point point two eight per mile. Yeah. So what? So starter. what was the initial scenario you gave me with the the three point seven five and then the the three? Originally, point... it was three quarters of a run yes. and then this the second one was three three eighths of a run okay so three eighths in a run that that sounds about right then i guess mm-hmm. for losing right to me yeah okay all right did you see holiday pitch by the way uh i watched him for about two innings uh and he initially looked a little better but the results weren't really better i don't know did you think he looked any better uh, I thought that his slider looked good, but that he didn't overall look look very good. I uh, he didn't, you know, if you'd changed the name on his jersey, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have stood out in any positive way. And I don't know. There's a sort of a I, there's a kind of depressing feeling that very maybe depressing. this is just like it's really like, depressed. It's well, like the, morbid. I, I'm thinking of, yeah, of my own mortality it, when I look at reality <laughs> not pitching well. It occurred to me that he's at 199 wins, and like, oh my gosh, what if he's he done. never gets it? <laughs> like, and how long will he pitch like this to try to get the 200th win? I mean, if he were at 204, he might only go for like a season and a half, but he's at 199. He might go for three years without winning a game. And when was it that we were doing our, our Cliff Lee versus Roy Halladay debate? It was this off season, <laughs> two starts ago. <laughs> did, did I... Did I? I had a bad answer, didn't I? Did I say I, <laughs> I preferred Halliday? I guess. I think. I think. I think uh, it might have come down to the peanut butter. Right. Yes. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah. It was very close. <laughs> I'd like to change my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's. Uh, we're falling right into the trap, Ben. Yes. Confirmation bias. Week. This is terrible. <laughs> People should ignore us. People should ignore us until about like mid-August. 
Um, okay, well then, all right. So then the other thing that I wanted to talk about is, I guess, sort of similar in that it is a, a small sample thing that seems very significant right now. Uh, Zach Levine is writing or has written an article for BP that may be up on Tuesday by the time you hear this. We're still sort of sorting out the, the stats and doing some edits and things. But he wrote about uh, the Astros strikeout rate, which is astronomically high right now. As we are recording, the Astros are, I think, in the sixth or seventh inning, and they've only struck out five times, uh, which doesn't really show Saunders. Joe Saunders, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you can kind of dismiss that maybe. But, but uh, going into that game, they had some truly impressive strikeout stats. Uh, Ryan Lind, one of our excellent crack researchers at BP, sent some sort of Jason Starkian tidbits to the the email list earlier today. So this is going into Monday's game. Uh, The Astros had struck out in 36.1% of their plate appearances. Uh, That is, of course, well above the record for any one player ever uh, for a full season. Mark Reynolds, 35.4% in 2010. The lowest walk-to-strikeout ratio since 1920 for a team is 0.32 by the 68 Mets. The Astros entered Monday night's game at 0.12. And the Astros were on pace for 1,998 strikeouts. So basically 2,000 strikeouts and 243 walks. Uh, and that would blow away the record by, by those 2010 Diamondbacks that Mark Reynolds was on. They struck out 1,529 times, uh, and the fewest walks since 1961, is, is what he sent, was 345 by the 1966 Cardinals. So going into Monday's game, uh, very small sample size. They were on pace to break the all-time team strikeout record by 350 or so and walk about 100 times uh, fewer than, than any team of the last 50-plus years. And the the individual performances are are just as entertaining. Brett Wallace had struck out 13 times in 18 plate appearances. Uh, Chris Carter had struck out 11 times in 23 plate appearances. So, anyway, uh, they, what Rick and Keel? Rick yeah. and Keel is I think 11 out of 13. 10 and 12. <laughs> yeah, he struck out tonight too. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. You've been watching the Astros. You're kind of on the Astros bandwagon. Um, what have you thought? I mean, obviously, we, we knew this was going to be a bad offensive team. No one thought it was going to be good. And probably we expected it to be a pretty high strikeout team with guys like Ankeel and Carlos Pena and Chris Carter. So it's not a, a shock that they fit this profile, but uh, they have kind of taken it to the extreme in the early going. And I don't know that there is significant to, to this. I mean, this the sort of standard sabermetric line is that strikeouts are just like any other out more or less uh they are very bad sometimes when you really need a ball in play but other times they're not so bad when they're better than a a ground ball double play which which causes two outs so i don't know i remember reading the annual essay uh for the 2010 diamondbacks which i think was written by matt swartz uh and he sort of got into kind of like a, a compounding effect for team strikeouts that beyond a certain point, it just kind of snowballs and there is some 
some extra cost associated with just having an entire lineup full of people who strike out. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, a gigantic thing. It wasn't like, I mean, we know the Astros are bad, so the fact that they strike out all the time and are bad, I, I don't know. Does that does that change anything? Are you are you surprised from watching as much Astros as you've been watching that they have been missing so much? And it is it's all swinging strikes. I think uh, Zach said that they haven't really taken a lot of strikes looking, which I guess makes sense because I guess they're swinging at everything. So they're not taking any pitches, but they're just missing a lot. Uh, his line was, it's a collection of guys who love to swing and just aren't very good at it. Uh, yeah, so what? the question is, are the Astros bad? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess... I don't think... I mean, I, I, if you're trying to get me to care about the strikeouts in particular, I'm, uh, I'm completely amused by these stats. I, I don't think it's the reason that they're, that they're doing... Poorly. I mean, they're striking out. I mean, strikeouts aren't particularly bad generally, but like hitters who are particularly bad strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's two kinds of guys that strike out the good hitters and then the terrible, terrible hitters. Uh, and the Astros have collectively hit like a pitcher, basically. They're 199, 234, 286 going into tonight's game. That will go down uh, a bit more because they face Joe Saunders. And I mean, you, you do, you look at, Chris Carter and I I mean I, I'm sure I saw Chris Carter last year uh, but nothing sort of prepared me for how helpless he looks and Matt Dominguez looks really kind of shockingly bad at the plate and Brett Wallace they struck looks, out two times they all look terrible I mean they, this is a, other than Justin Maxwell this is a team that is playing as bad as the worst team in baseball can play so there's not uh, you, I don't think that you really need to go that much deeper than that. They're a bad team playing really, really badly. I mean, they faced good pitchers, and they faced some good strikeout pitchers. And so the fact that they struck out a lot against you Darvish, and the fact that they struck out a lot against Brett Anderson, and the fact they struck out a lot against Alexi Ogondo all makes sense. And then Dan Straley comes in, strikes out 12, walks nobody, and gets demoted the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, makes you sort of think, okay, well, something is going on here. Um, but I mean, I don't know. They're in a very, they're in a very bad space right now, and the middle of their lineup looks completely lost and helpless. And uh, that's about as far as I'm willing to go with this team right now. They aren't playing well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing very poorly, very, very poorly. And from the, about the fifth inning on, it's like, it's like one of those games where. Uh, in the NCAA tournament where like a 15 hangs with a two mm-hmm. until like six minutes left in the first half and then they lose by like 36. That seems like it's every game lately. So your plan was to watch 50 Astros games or something and you were very excited about it. Are you just as excited and committed to that plan now? Having Yeah, I'm enjoying terrible? it a lot. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I still really like watching this team. Somebody asked me in the chat, what the strategy is for watching this team uh if there's a way to do it besides like hate watching or watching just for the for the badness to make gifts and i actually don't watch it it with either of those mentalities i watch it imagining that i'm the gm and that i'm trying to figure out how to win in 2015 and that it's you're just constantly assessing what you're seeing and the players you're seeing and trying to figure out uh who's fixable and who's got growth and who's 
needs to be replaced. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be just about everyone, though, at this point. I feel like if you're the GM trying to figure out uh, how to win in 2015, you should just be touring your minor league affiliates and never watching the Houston Astros. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's bright spots here and there. Altuve's been hitting somewhat. I mean, Maxwell looks very good Mm -hmm. just in, in every facet of the game and Dominguez is a much better defender than I was even prepared for and uh, you know the bullpen's disastrous Umber had a good first start Norris has had some really good stretches within games although he's had a couple of bad innings and there's stuff there to watch it's I I've I've been enjoying it I mean I have no expectations that they're ever going to win any of these games (laughs) Um, but what do we I mean you know all of baseball is absurd and ridiculous so this is really not any more absurd and ridiculous than the rest of it. They have been kind of a, a trendy pick, it seems like, on the internet. Everyone is kind of an honorary <laughs> Astros fan right now, it seems like. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a badge of honor. Ooh. It's like a, a sign that you are the ultimate non-frontrunner or maybe that you that you are intellectually interested in the game and not it not you don't have a rooting interest you're not watching baseball like the typical fan you are watching the Astros and analyzing them or something well there's also the fact that you could be playing for them tomorrow <laughs> i mean like it's like Dan Evans told you just you got to stand by your phone if the Pick phone up. rings it might be <laughs> yeah <laughs> The Astros might be offering you a spot in their lineup. Well, I can certainly understand why anyone would want to watch the Astros because they are doing things that have never been done. And that is fun because most teams don't do that. Most teams do things that that 100 other teams have done in a slightly different way. The Astros are doing it in a very different way. So that's reason enough to watch for me. Uh, Okay, we're done. We will be back tomorrow with email show. Uh, We haven't gotten that many emails, I don't think, this week, so send us some, and we will probably answer them uh, at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.